From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode number 88. Today's show is brought to you by PDF Pen Pro from Smile, the all-purpose PDF editing tool. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Mr. Federico Fittici. Hello, Mike. Hello, Federico. How, how the devil are you, sir? Um, doing great, Mike. Um, as I told you when you called me, I'm still kind of relaxing, catching up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go grocery shopping later. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, which is it. It sounds like a quick kind of task, but it takes me a couple of hours. <laughs> you know, that's how I do my my shopping. So I'm doing great, Mike. So I think Stephen Stephen's not here this week. I think he's hunting IMAX. Yeah, he's, um, he's taken on a on a cross country trip to find the remaining IMAX. Because I think he only needs one more. And he one, has them all. Only, only one. I think it's only one. So huh. he is, I believe, he's somewhere um, in California uh, hunting for the final iMac. How do you hunt for, for an iMac? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's not here. It took a little bit longer than he expected. <laughs> yeah, he's just got graphite left. Graphite. Which isn't, you know, it's... It, it's not the most exquisite of colors, no. if you think about it. It's because kind of I dull. believe he was able to find a pretty good Bondi. Oh, look at look at that! Look at Bondi. that! Good job. So he got one of those. So uh, now he's off looking for a graphite. So I hope that he will be back next week, and I hope that he finds everything that he's looking for. Nice. Good luck, Stephen. Good luck, think, Stephen. Thinking of you. We are. We are. Good luck. <laughs> um, because it's just me and you. Okay. Should we talk about something that we're doing? Yes. So Federico, everybody should know by now, we spoke about this last week, Federico is going to be traveling to San Francisco, and Mm -hmm. we are going together for WWDC. Mm -hmm. And I realized last week, um, you know, we knew that you were going to be in London for one day, you're coming to London, and then me and you were going to stay in a hotel near the airport and go from there together um, out mm-hmm. to San Francisco. And me and you were going to we were gonna have dinner with some friends. And I realized, why have dinner with friends when we can see lots of friends? <laughs> so we're going to have a meetup uh, in London at a bar called the Big Chill House. Now, we have a limit on the amount of people that we can fit in the room. So we instituted a ticket policy for this, and we had 70 tickets for the room. They are all sold out. Now, the reason I'm telling you all about this, dear listener, is I spoke to the venue today, Mm -hmm. and there is the possibility for us to get a larger room at this place. So if you are interested in coming to a connected meetup, it will be me and Federico, and we'll be hanging out at a great bar. Um, we did this meetup uh, for Upgrade in this area previously, and you want to come, it's on the 10th of June. It starts from 8 until 11. Uh, you will need to have a ticket to come because we have a maximum amount of people we can fit in the room. Uh, you can go to tito, ti.to slash RelayFM, um, and you can find out more about the event. Sign up for the waiting list. Uh, there are nearly enough people on the waiting list now, Federico, which will allow me to confidently book this larger room. Oh, um, that's so insane. <laughs> so if you are interested, uh, if everybody that we have on the waiting list gets a ticket, we're very nearly sold out as well for that uh, larger room. So uh, once that's the case, that's as big as the room can be. Um, I think it's about 150 people. <laughs> it's just totally insane. Yeah. Uh, there's an amazing poster 
which I'll just put it's, in the show notes anyway, because Frank, as always, did an incredible job. So we really hope that people can make it. Uh, I We're doing everything we can to, to increase the size for this one because we can. Um, uh, with this instance, we can actually increase it. Uh, but it will mean uh, that everybody will need to buy a few drinks because otherwise I will be left with a very large bill uh, at the end of the night. <laughs> so uh, I hope that you can go check it out. And we hope to see you in London in June. Yeah, I mean, with all due respect, Mike, it's kind of crazy that this many people are coming to meet us. I mean, yeah, we're just two yeah, it's not guys. it's not me. It's all for you. But no, uh, I'm no, happy with I that. I'm happy so. with that. I'm happy with that. I don't think so. I don't think so. You're just, you're kind yeah. of a you're kind of an attraction lately. Mike. Oh yeah. Yes, you are. There's people constantly talking about you and your iPads. <laughs> That's true. Actually, I was on Mac Power users. Yeah. See, see, you're the man of the hour, Mike. Katie was so mad. She was so upset about the iPads. It's so good. It's such a good episode. Uh, I gotta listen to that. Yeah, it's well worth listening to. I think at one point she just goes into complete despair about me, which is <laughs> wow, amazing. Okay. It's it's amazing. Uh, I love I love David and Katie, and I, being on Mac Power Users is an honor. Uh, because it is, as we have mentioned many times, an absolute institution, and we're very lucky to have it as a part of Relay FM. And I was happy to go on the show to uh, preach about my iPad, multi iPad life, which uh, I increased today. Federico, I bought another pencil today, um, mm. so I have both iPads now fully decked out at all times. I'm no longer surprised, Mike. Hey, you know. I'm all in. I am all in. I'm taking. Yeah. I'm taking what you started, and I'm taking it to the its furthest point possible. <laughs> You're multiplying that, really. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, I'm, you know, I'm actually planning this week um, for a pro- like uh, that the incomparable project that I'm working on to actually record something and, and edit it on iOS. So I'm going to do that over the next week or so. I'm really trying to go in all, all in here, my friend. You should uh, you should do a time lapse video of you trying to do that on oh the my. iPad. Yeah, that would be. And you can see me pulling my hair out. Um, <laughs> I did actually. I wanted to mention one last thing about the meetup, just for everybody that is coming and, and may come. Uh, if we do increase the capacity, the room will change. It won't. We had it as a place called the Deco Room. It will be in a different room. But I'll send information out about that if we do it because we're going to be getting a bigger room, hopefully. So yeah. please sign up and uh, we'll hopefully see you there. All right. So um, I wanted to mention, do you remember last week when we were talking about Ark, uh, our sponsor? Yes. I mentioned how a, maybe a wizard could create a confetti cannon to go off when Ark finishes. Yeah. Well, oh, no. there is they a wizard. It. Yep. Oh my uh, god! Lucas uh, tweeted at us oh with a <laughs> script, and what it will do is he he actually did something very smart here. It doesn't launch physical confetti; it launches digital confetti on your computer screen whenever Arc completes a backup. Bravo, Lucas! Bravo! Look at that screenshot. It's fantastic, amazing. right? People are so crazy. It's fantastic. he put it on GitHub. Uh, you can go and check it out. And so it's very, it's very, very clever. And I say bravo to the wizard that is Lucas for creating Good our job. backup yeah. confetti cannon. Good job. Last week, we teased um, that you were working on a project that I expect everybody knows about right now, which was your iOS 10 wishes and concept video, mm-hmm. along yes. with the dark theme for Mac Stories, which I am reminded about as I see the lovely dark Mac Stories in front of me. Oh, nice. You keep it, you keep it activated. 
Yep, keep it dark, my friend. And I uh, am very flabbergasted by <laughs> by the the views on view count in this YouTube video. It's approaching four hundred thousand. Four hundred thousand, Federico. Four hundred thousand. It's a uh, it's a lot. It's there are seventy eight people that gave it a thumbs down, though. What do you? What is your comments on that? Uh, well, <laughs> what do you think I mean, about those seventy eight people? I I think some of those people, maybe half of those, are just trying to to see what 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 it, what it feels like to use the thumbs up down button. Yeah. Um, maybe half is just an experiment. And maybe I'm gonna the press other half the button. Just, no, I dislike this. Oh okay. no! Now I've now I've liked it again. So I reversed my decision. I went to just Thank see you. how it felt. I didn't like how it felt. Here's something interesting about the like dislike button on YouTube. When you click the little like button, the button goes blue from gray, and when you click the dislike button, it goes black <laughs> from gray. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, they're like they'll do this. You know, <laughs> it's wow. a little, little Pavlovian response for you. Uh, I was very honored to get a, a special thanks. Of course, all in there. You, you know? were you and my girlfriend and John were. Uh, the, the few people that had to endure my stress and my questions and my doubts uh, before launching. many, 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 many cuts of that video. <laughs> <laughs> Be like, look at this one. We had a line change. Okay. So <laughs> off I go. Watch the one line move. But it was... Uh, it is an amazing video, and uh, I was very honored to to be able to see it in advance. Um, but I wanted to ask you a few questions because look, we'll we'll go into these wishes. We will actually revisit the wishes on the show probably in late May, right? Yes. So we'll do it yes. as part of our what do we want to see at WWDC. So there's no point going over the wishes uh, right now. But I wanted to ask you about uh, the video itself because obviously that is a different method, a different medium. For you mm-hmm. and Max Stories, um, mm-hmm. how did you find the YouTube system? Well, I think I kind of cheated uh, because I asked uh, CGP Grey for advice <laughs> before uploading uh-huh. the video. So he gave me like a checklist of things to do and to make sure that I was doing. Uh, it, was, it was fine, I think. Um, I opened the channel the week before, so we didn't have a YouTube channel. And before uploading this video, I just moved two of my old videos, like 30-second videos about uh, drafts and iOS automation, just to make sure the channel wasn't empty, you know, when it was Mm -hmm. launch day. I uploaded a logo, and I put in a bunch of links for for the MacStories bio, you know, linking to MacStories on Twitter and the club. And then I prepared the description, uh, which was okay, no major issues there. And I uploaded the video. I, I think I think I have to be thankful for my fiber connection because the video was in 4K. It was a two, almost wow. three minute video, and it was about uh, 500 megabytes, maybe less. That's not but too it, bad. No, it's not too bad. It took me like a minute. So, to funnily it. enough, you know that the videos. The I don't know if you know, but I put Cortex on YouTube. Yeah, um, I do. I know, and it's just the audio file and the logo like a version of the logo, which is in uh, 1080p, the videos tend to be around two to three gigabytes. <laughs> wow. And it's nothing, how? right? It's just because how? that's just how the video comes out, because it's still a video file, which is two hours long. Oh, yeah. yeah right? Okay. Yeah. So oh, that, yeah. that's one of the unfortunate parts <laughs> about doing this, is Makes there's nothing. Sense. But it's, it ends up being like two hours long. Yeah. And I didn't really come across any issue. I mean, the, the video uploaded 
fine. I set it to private because I just wanted to make sure that people couldn't guess the link. CGP told me it never happened to him that people would guess a link for an unlisted video, which was another option. But I just prefer, you know, for my for my paranoia. There is something <laughs> to- weird that like when I go to your video page on YouTube, um, it doesn't show the iOS 10 video. I have yeah, to go that's in. Kinda- Kind of weird. Something's weird has happened there. Like you have to go to videos before it shows up. I know, I know. But whatever, it no doesn't idea. matter because people are just finding it. It's being linked to. I think you were in the YouTube trending. Yes, yes, I w- and that uh, really made up for about twenty percent of the views uh, the being discovered in the YouTube trending page. Um, I, I saw a lot of people. Like I could see the effect in the real time uh, stats. I could see the effect of the new people discovering the video from the trending section. Uh, it hit uh, the trending page about when it was about a um, uh, hundred thousand views. So yeah. I guess the YouTube system finds kind of momentum in videos and decides to feature them. And it was also embedded on a bunch of other tech blogs, which helped in getting uh, the kind of exposure. It was on Nine to Five Mac. It was on the Loop. Uh, that was part of the reason for doing the video, right? Surely, for for that, yeah? Yeah, because, you know, it's so easy to embed a video and to... And that was the, the whole idea. I got a bunch of uh, bloggers asking me, "Can do you mind if we embed the video? And I was like, no, that was the main goal. <laughs> Please do use the embed code. Right, I don't know if this is why you did this, but here's when I look at this objectively, right? If somebody block quotes an article, mm-hmm. you get nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens. No. Just, it's just there. But if they embed a YouTube video, you still get the view. The view shows in your view count. Now, you're not getting any money from this because you didn't put any advertising no. on it, which I think was the right thing to do, by the way, because of I, the, I couldn't, the purpose anyway. <laughs> of the video. Oh, yeah, you have not in the system for long enough. But I think the purpose of the video was to promote Mac stories as well, right? Like that's The, the other mm-hmm. side of this video was to promote Mac stories to new people, right? And the club, yeah. Yeah. And the, yeah, and Club Mac stories as well. So that's kind of like, you know, the other side of this. So, so that's how it brings more people in and, and on the other side. So not having advertising on it would have been the right move anyway. But um, it is in, I, I think it was a very uh, clever publishing and business move to do it this way, like to create this video, which can be anywhere. And it doesn't matter where it is because people would, in most cases, take the video and embed it. Really mm-hmm. smart. Yeah. Yeah, and um, one of the comments that I got from a lot of people uh, is that uh, it's not an absurd concept, that it makes sense. Yeah, that's true. Hundreds of people told me it makes sense, it's not crazy, and it's the kind of features that I could see happening, which is not usual. So I've been covering, you know, Mac stories, I've been writing for seven years, and every time there's a crazy concept video, it gets a lot of exposure, but a lot of people also say, this is crazy, Apple would never do this, these features are totally useless and that was one of my one of my concerns that people would see the video as a sort of a crazy project you know with the crazy features that apple would never do and it and as soon as i published the video like the reactions started coming in that it's it's sensible it makes sense it's not crazy and that makes me very happy because we both sam and i we spent a lot of time thinking what are the features that we think we both think make sense and what's the best way to do it in a, in an Apple-like fashion? That it's not, you know, too crazy with 
new animations or new interface designs or a different theme for the entire iOS interface. So it really makes me really makes me happy that people see some kind of a reason, you know, in there. Some kind of uh, yeah, it's not too crazy. It makes sense. I could see this happening. Good job. That makes me happy. Yeah, I mean, because well, I think part of it is. Most of the concept videos, you only ever find out about them because they're crazy, wild things. <laughs> but yeah. you already had the ability to create a sensible one and for people to see it, which is why I think it became popular, right? Because you have the platform in which to get this video out to the first amount of people that need to see it for it then to become viral. Mm. Whereas people like Sam, who created a concept video, right? He needed it to be a little bit more out there to get people like you to find it in the first place. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Like, if it he created sense. your video, you'd just be kind of like, yeah, sure. Like, this is sensible stuff. You know? I think it depends where it's coming from. Yeah, I think the angle that we that we chose was, uh, so, look, every year I do an iOS wish list. And I do it because I want to, you know, put it out there, the kind of features that I would like to see. And this was not the kind of... The way that you come at it is not... Uh, look, I'm a designer. I can make super cool stuff. This is what Apple should do on iOS. It was, I have these wishes, and here's how I visualize them in my mind. And it's a very, uh, it's not a big difference when you think about it, because the final outcome is the same. It's a concept video. But the way that you approach it and the way that you present it, I think it resonated with people. And they could see the idea of, here's a person he works on iOS, he writes on, on the iPad every day, he, he knows iOS, he would like to see these features, and he found a way to visualize them. Yeah. And I think the angle helped, helped kind of get people interested and, and to, see, uh, to help them see my line of thinking. So um, I'm, I'm very satisfied with, the, with how everything went in the end. Talking about very satisfied, uh, you got a WWDC ticket. I did, yeah, yeah. That was a that was a very. I was very lucky, Mike. Uh, I was a, I was a Friday last Friday. I was a, I was at the club, not club, sorry, it's an actual club with people dancing and drinking, and I got an email uh, from the Apple Store. Here's your receipt, and I and I like my heart started pumping like crazy. I was like, oh my god, oh my god. And Sylvia was like, what's going on? And I look at the receipt and there's, uh, you know, the, the WWDC ticket confirmation. And I was like totally going nuts. And so I bought uh, drinks <laughs> and we, we celebrated the ticket. I'm not surprised. So what is your plan? <laughs> um, my plan is to well, first watch the keynote because, you know, I've never been there. And it. Uh, well, I, you have. It, Maybe not, not at WWDC. The oh, well, yeah, but you've done one. You know? I've done a yeah, I've done a keynote. I just want to do a WWDC keynote. You know, yeah, I've done course. a product keynote, uh, and I feel like it's a, it's a nice um, sort of celebration to do my first WWDC keynote for iOS 10. You know, like a new beginning, whatever. That's how I see it in my mind. And the the other thing that I want to do is I want to attend key sessions mm -hmm. for iOS mm -hmm. because I need that kind of information and kind of networking with developers to prepare my iOS 10 review. So the, uh, last year, I spent too, way too much time um, 
watching the videos over and over and talking to people who were there at the sessions over email to get a better understanding of what was going on and to just talking to developers to ask them questions. And I feel like I can save a lot of time if I go to the key sessions that are, you know, that are I mean, I have to decide which which kind of sections I I want to cover in my review, which we'll talk about in the evening. Me and you and Stephen, Mike, you will have to help me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once I do know what kind of sections I want to have in my review, I will mark the sessions that I want to go to and just attend those and then talk to people and go to the bash and that kind of essential stuff. Uh, I'm not interested in OS X, not interested in watchOS. I'm going there for iOS and the key stuff that I understand that, that I want to cover. And uh, and I feel like I need to, I need to wake up early, uh, go to the key sessions, and then in the afternoon and and maybe in the mornings where iOS doesn't have a key session, just have fun because I want to mix it up. Uh, you know, it's my first time. I want to do part work, part fun, and I feel like having fun there it's important because it also helps me uh, relax and meet new people, which yep. again. Sort of a circle of life. <laughs> uh, I need to have fun, meet new people, talk about work, fun. You know, it's it's all connected. No pun intended. Um, so so yeah, uh, that's the plan. Uh, f- understand what I want. First, watch the keynote. Understand what's going on. Understand the kind of sections that I want to have in my review. Talk about it with you guys. Find a plan for the key sessions that I want to go to, and just attend those sessions, and then have fun and meet people. It's a pretty great plan, man. It's a pretty great plan. Yeah, I think I can do it, you know? Yeah, the days are quiet. The daytimes are quiet because so many people are in the the sessions and now of all the other conferences and stuff that go on anyway. You just need to understand that you are going to be very, very busy. I know, I know. Prepare for that. I'm preparing both physically, I'm exercising a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's true. Uh, I believe you. There's a there's a bunch of tasks in my to do with the uh, daily exercises. <laughs> I saw them um, in a Twitter screenshot. I saw like yeah, abs and something. Yeah, I need to be in good shape. So I'm I'm ramping up the exercise routine. I'm doing uh, I'm doing the diet that I was doing last year again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know I need to be very very energized because now it's gonna it's gonna take a it's gonna take a lot out of me to do all of the the stuff that I want to do. But it's possible, you know. It's possible. There's there's worse things in the world. This is fun. This is great. I shouldn't I shouldn't be concerned. Just have, gotta have fun. <laughs> All right. This week's episode is brought to you by Smile and PDF Pen Pro. You've heard me say in the past about the fact that PDF Pen is the Swiss Army knife for PDFs. Well, when you look at PDF Pen Pro. You're looking at such a huge Swiss Army knife of all so many tools embedded within it, you wouldn't even be able to fit it in your pocket because PDF Pen Pro has everything that you need to master PDFs, like adding signatures, editing text and images within a PDF. You can even perform OCR on scanned documents and export them into Microsoft Word format. But with PDF Pen Pro, you get additional features as well, like the ability to create an interactive PDF form. You can build a table of contents, set document permissions, and convert websites to multiple page PDFs. PDF Pen Pro really is for the person that needs complete control over their PDF 
documents. You can easily export to Microsoft Excel, PowerPoint, and PDF archive formats as well. And if you need to, which this is a real cool feature, I like this one, you can add tooltips to your PDFs for voiceover accessibility. The list of features goes on and on. This is a powerful piece of software. This is a pro piece of software. If you are someone that uses PDFs a bunch, you should be checking out PDF Pen Pro. And what's great about the fact that you can get this online at smilesoftware.com slash connected is you can try the free demo of PDF Pen Pro today. So you can go to smilesoftware.com slash connected, try it out, and you'll be able to see if PDF Pen Pro is the tool you need. I use it constantly. They just came out with a new version. Go and check it out. PDF Pen Pro requires Yosemite or later and works great on El Capitan. Thank you so much to Smile for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. All right, Federico. This is going to be a tough one, my friend. Okay. Are you ready for this? Uh, yeah. Okay. Apple Apple earnings. Mm. So, what quarter was this? This was Q2. Q2 right? 2016. Yeah. Q2 2016. This is I I believe now we can we can talk about this and we're going to talk about this in uh, quite a bit of detail. But I believe that Q2 uh, 2016 um, is going to go down as a moment in Apple's history in the future. Well, I mean, yeah, it's first down quarter since uh, 2003, yeah. I think. So, so, yeah, definitely. For 13 years, quarter on quarter, Apple have increased their profit and revenue and, and all that stuff, right? It's gone, everything has gone up quarter on quarter for 13 years. So, we're looking at if you're thinking about every time that Apple come on to do one of these earning results, they've had over 50 of these. They've come on and the story's been the same. 50 in a row, right? Better than last time, better than last time, better than last time. This time, not so much. Mm-hmm. And I find this very interesting. And I want to just preface this conversation by saying Apple is not doomed. And I understand <laughs> that they made a ton of money. Yeah. A downward trend is never a good thing. True. And that's what we're looking at now, especially when you look at some of the areas that are down. So profit is down. The iPhone is down. Mac is down. And of course, our friend, the (laughs) iPad, is down Mm -hmm. again year on year. So let's look at the iPhone a little bit. So uh, the iPhone sales were strongly increased in the previous quarter because of pent-up demand in China is is my understanding right like in in the in Q1 they had lots and lots of sales uh for the success because they had some pent-up demand there um and Apple you know a lot of the stuff that you'll find uh in these earnings calls I'm going to put a bunch of articles in the show notes one from you uh one from Jason you you guys both do a really great job of breaking this stuff down a lot of it is very complicated uh, but basically, it seems like Apple was saying that they're in a situation where they ha- the, the upgrade cycle is looking pretty good on the iPhone, but the previous quarter was a bit of an anomaly, which makes everything else kind of look a bit mm-hmm. worse. Is that am I yeah. right in saying that's kind of what they were saying, right? That it's like that's my understanding too. It's like this this was this is better than it looks, but it looks really bad because the last time was so good. Yeah, and that. They also said something about the SE, that the demand that of the SE has been higher than they expected. And I actually have uh, real-life experience of this as of yesterday. So yesterday morning, Adina woke up and her phone was dead. 
Like, it's oh, just, no. I have never seen an iPhone as dead as this iPhone. So it's the very old iPhone she was still using. She right? was using a 5S, my old 5S. Oh, okay, a 5S. You turn it on and the screen would just go blue and then it would change all different colors and die. Oh, nice. nice. That's yeah. a dead iPhone. Like. It's dead, dead. <laughs> so she went to the Apple store to try and get an SE and couldn't get one. It was three weeks back ordered. Wow. So today really? I went and picked up a 6S for her. She decided to go 6S because she really wasn't very keen on the SE because it looked the same. Mm-hmm. She really was like very vehemently against it because she's had the 5S for like two years or whatever. And she's like, I really don't want to pay 500 pounds for a phone that looks exactly the same. She was yeah. very against this. Yeah, so she's sense. gone for the success. And I get it. I understand that feeling. Mm-hmm. I totally understand it. Um, but the iPhone being down is a, is, is, it just looks weird, right? On the charts, it just looks weird. It, it looks strange because we're not used to it. But this is a question that I asked you before we recorded the show. Is this, uh, do you think, is this Apple's fault? Or is this just a, con- a consequence of the, the technology world changing? Meaning, is Apple to blame? Or is it like an outside force, a trend going on for any company that Apple can do anything about? I feel like it's got, it just has to be a bit of both. Mm-hmm. Right, like there are trends that are changing, but Apple could always do something, you know. I mean, it's really difficult because it, do- yeah, it does seem like trends are bringing this stuff down. But it hasn't. It has, none of these bad things have affected them before. Something struck me. Uh, a comment from from Tim Cook. He said um, last year. No, he, he actually said the success is stronger than the upgrade cycle of the 5S. But the acceleration of last year's iPhone 6 launch, it's it's much, much bigger than what we're seeing this year. Meaning, as an upgrade, the 6S is doing better than uh, from the 5 to the 5S, but it's no match for the insane sales of the iPhone 6 last year. So why do you think that is? Is it just because the iPhone 6 was a was a better phone compared to what used to be there before? Is the 6S kind of a kind of a letdown in terms of an upgrade? No, I don't think it's that. I I I just think it's because they were selling into new markets for the 6 for the first time. For the first time. Mm. And I think it was it was just the, the thinking that it was it had nothing to do with the iPhone 6. It was just the iPhone you know, mm. if they would have released, if if the iPhone success was out, then the iPhone success would have sold that many. It was just because they were into a new market that they weren't in before. Because look, this is the problem, right? This was the, all the conversation in the previous quarterly results when Apple said that this was going to happen. This this isn't a surprise that this happened, by the way. You know, if anybody wasn't following, um, in their previous earnings report, Apple forecasted that they would be down. They then they they fell within the estimate that they gave. Um. Which is also weird for them, right? To fall within the estimate. Usually yeah. they exceed the estimates, but they fell within the estimate. Um, and I think it's purely because Apple have bumped into the amount of people in the world that can buy their products. It doesn't usually happen, but this is the situation that they're in. They are in a, we are currently at the point where we have sold our products to everyone that can buy them. Mm. And they mentioned India as a growing market. And great, there's there's a, you know, more people than China. I believe. Is that right? I'm just going to say that. Probably be wrong, and everybody in both countries would be mad at me. But lots and lots of people in India. Yeah. 
that they can sell to. And if the middle class emerges in India the way it did in China, great. Maybe in a couple of years' time, there'll be more phones to sell. But then all it will do is then it will just push this problem off another few years. Uh, maybe that's why the, the stuff like the upgrade program in, is so important for Apple right now uh, and why so many people see a lot of potential there. Because having reached uh, the, the kind of ceiling, you know, all the people that you can reach that want to buy your, your phone, now what you got to do is you got to switch gears and have those people upgrade year after year to the, yeah. to the latest model. So what you end up with in that scenario is lower income, like overall, but uh, uh, more sustained. Yeah, but sequential stability, I yeah. guess. Because what it will do is it will bring it down for a period of time, but you won't see the, the, the peaks and valleys, which is probably better from a Wall Street perspective. Probably. It's really like a, like a subscription. You, you get I just those... checked, by the way, there's, there's 100 million people uh, difference between China and India. And India is 1.2 billion and China is 1.3 million, a billion, sorry. In terms of numbers, it's not a huge... I mean, it's a huge difference. I mean, it, Italy is not even 60 million people. Yeah, but when you're over a billion, 100 million, yeah. it's, it's give or take. <laughs> yes, <laughs> give or take 100 million people. Uh, Tim Cook even said, we, we see India as China seven or 10 years ago. Exactly. This is what I'm saying. Like, this is their next potential market, but they're many years away from that. And all they'll be in is this problem again. They'll have a peak where they sell into that market, then it will go down again. Like, it won't go down to where it is now. It will probably still be higher because it will be a new market selling to more people. But all they would be doing is just having this problem again. Like, where Apple is right now, it is not a problem for the company. This is not a scary thing. But what it is is a downtrend, and and downtrends are not good. You just don't want to see them, right? Yeah. Because they're forecasting the next quarter is going to be down on the previous year's quarter again. So this is going to happen again. So the reason that I'm kind of so interested in this from just looking at it is in the whole time that me and you have been covering Apple, even interested in them, this has not happened. It's the first time. Yeah. This is the first time. And next time is going to be the second time. <laughs> so it is just a very peculiar thing. Okay, let's take a look at this, right? So if the iPhone is down, mm -hmm. what, in theory, the way that the company could, and I would assume that other people in Wall Street would say, should go against this. If you've met the amount of people in the world that can buy your iPhone you should be selling more of your other products, right? Like that is the way that very simply on paper, you would meet this problem. Like if you've sold, if everybody has an iPhone, you then need to sell everybody an iPad, right? Like that is in theory, the way that you would beat this issue, mm -hmm. right? So you yeah. sell them more products. So this is where the other part of this is. Mac is down, which is really weird like that doesn't happen very often i think the previous quarter the mac was down year on year but like that's just like a strange thing to occur like why why would the mac be down that doesn't even make any sense and then ipad is down again so every time i mention this um and and i think it's very clear now that i am loving the ipad i think in previous years people have, have thought that i was so uh, harsh on this point because I didn't like the iPad. But, you know, I am now iPad forever. 
Um, and whenever I, I bring this stuff up, people point out the fact that like they sold 10 million of them, 10 million of everything is amazing. Mm-hmm. It, to me, it's not the amount that's sold. I, I don't care how many it is. It could be a billion or 10 million. It's the fact that it continues to decline. And, it, you know, and the fact that the iPad sales are just going down, down, down is not good because it hasn't reached the bottom. See, I don't know. I think it's kind of. I think the iPad, from from a financial perspective, is kind of weird uh, because it. I, I don't know how to kind of treat it. You know, is it like an iPhone? Is it like a Mac? Because it's really none of both. Because it the, the it, from a financial perspective, you cannot compare it to either. Because the Mac, whilst it's had a shaky uh, Q2 here has over over the last few years grown, right? Not by a lot, and it's still half the size, but the trend is good, right? That, that not only are the co- people who currently buy a Mac using it, there are new people buying the Mac. And that's not what's happening with the iPad, right? Like, if you look at the iPad and the Mac, they're probably the closest in comparison from a renewal cycle, right? Like, mm-hmm. you have one, and you use it for a few years, and then you buy another one when either one breaks or there is something so irresistible that you must buy it. That You'd expect that they're going to be closer like that, but something's happened with the iPad in that over time, interest continues to wane. Probably. I mean, yeah. Because what's happening is like, look, we're, 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 multi- we're like six years into this product's life cycle now. And you can look year on year at all of the quarters and you can see that it's steadily declining. If it would have been after year one, we're at the point that we're at now and it was right down low, you can say, oh, people buy them and they don't buy any more of them. But what's happening is not only are the way that I look at this is not only are people uh, taking a long time to upgrade this device, there are less people making that upgrade as time goes on because the numbers are, are completely unstable they are just declining right if there was some kind of stability in the numbers which there isn't yet you would see people having a relatively frequent refresh rate like you see with the mac but that doesn't happen with the ipad and that's why it concerns me and interests me because the product continues to decline mm-hmm. am i making sense here no, it makes sense, and I think it's going to be a long road uh, ahead. If Apple really believes that the iPad is the future of their computing, uh, you know, taking the iPhone aside for a moment, mm-hmm. if they really believe that the iPad is the future, it's going to be a long road to kind of change the perception of the iPad. Yep. Because what I don't understand is, are people buying iPads as their only computer, like I could do, for example, or are people buying iPads in addition to a Mac in addition to a PC? Or is it just, you know, there's people buying the iPad as their only computer, which is lasting for, I don't know, three to four years. And th- what what gives me... So I agree with you. I agree it's concerning. It's it's very clear at this point that, you know, the, maybe some people, a lot of people are not interested in the iPad. But what gives me some hope is two things. If people are buying iPads as their only computer they're buying more iPads than Macs, you know? So if I want to buy a computer, I can choose, do I want to buy a Mac or do I want to buy an iPad? And if if that's the reason, which I don't know, 
there's more people choosing the iPad. Even yeah, if it's, it's still twice the size. It's still right? almost yeah. twice the size. It, I don't know where it will, it'll stabilize, but it seems to be about a twice. Uh, but in any case, last year, Apple sort of started understanding that they've been doing things wrong with the iPad, both in the, in the hardware and in the software. And they started to change. So with iOS 9, with the Pro, with the Pencil, with another Pro, with accessories... It, it tells me that they understood, they kind of uh, stood in a state of, uh, you know, uh, neglection maybe for a couple of years. And now they're doing new things, but it's going to take time. You know, it's not that Apple releases iOS 9, Apple releases the first iPad Pro, boom, iPad sales are off the roof again, you know. And I think it's going gonna, it's, it, it's gonna to take a long time for kind of change the perception because what you haven't done in two years in three years it's going to take you twice as much to fix your mistakes that's the way that i see it so if apple really thinks this is the future we're going to make things right it's going to take a long time it's going it's going to be a long road because there's still people using an ipad 2 and we're you know i i can only imagine if people who bought an iPad Pro last year are going to be using an iPad Pro in four years. So understanding the the, the refresh cycle, bringing more features to iOS, and kind of bringing the, the pencil and the better hardware and the kind of experience of the Pro to the, to the uh, more uh, affordable iPads, it's going to take a long time. Tim Cook made two statements about the iPad, um, which I want to try and see if we can look at these from a common sense perspective to try and understand what he's saying. He said that the June quarter, so the next quarter, we expect to see our best iPad revenue compare in over two years. And then also said, we expect seasonal sequential decline in iPad sales. So if I'm reading this correctly, like reading between the lines, what he's saying is the next quarter... Q3, there are going to be more iPads sold than the previous quarter, but there's going to be a seasonal decline. So I'm very confused about how this is going to work out, but are they saying it's going to fit somewhere between those two figures? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's weird because if you're saying there's going to be seasonal decline, it would indicate that there is going to be a decline from Q2 to Q3, right? Yeah. But Q3 2015, there were more iPads sold than Q2 2016. So if they're saying it's going to decline from Q2 to Q3, but yet there's going to be a better comparison from year on year, that doesn't add up, right? I don't know. (laughs) Also, the way that he phrased it... Jason tries to to break this down at six colors, which is where I'm getting these, these quotes from. And... What what Jason's tried to work out from this, because he's also struggling with it as much as we are, he says, so I suspect Cook is really saying that iPad revenue will be down by single digits for the first time in two years, as opposed to double digits. So the actual numbers sold might still be down, but the revenue might be better, because they're probably oh. selling the iPad at a higher ASP than they yeah, were that before. Could be. Which, that if if that's all it is... That's not good. The the real key, I believe, when I'm look like when so this is the thing. This is the one of the main difference about us and looking at this to the way that analysts and, and Wall Street people look at this. We look at numbers of products sold, not the revenue generated from the products. 
That's mm-hmm. what we care about, right? Be- and, and me and Jason have spoken about this before on Upgrade. Like The idea being that however many product numbers are sold says something about the direction of Apple and its ecosystem. Like If Apple made more money from the iPad than they do from the iPhone and they were still selling 50 million iPhones and 10 million iPads, but just in some random way, they made more money from 10 million iPads, that wouldn't change the way that we look at Apple because there's still 50 million iPhones. So the ecosystem's very different, right? Are you following what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like the revenue generated by product for us is is not the point here. It is the amount of that product sold because it says something about Apple's direction as a company, I think. So look... Whatever Tim Cook is saying, I don't think it, that what they what he is saying is there's going to be 20 million sold next quarter. Mm, no, me neither. <laughs> I, I think the reason I'm struggling is looking at this uh, these numbers from um, from a people perspective, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. Like I understand there's really complex stuff going on. Uh, with and analysts do a much better job at understanding ASP and seasonal trends, that kind of stuff. But from a, from from my simple point of view, I wonder what can Apple do to make things better, to make a better product, and to make more people understand the iPad. Because in the end, that's what drives sales, making better products. Yeah, but this product definitely, like the iPhone, they can't do anything. I, I think there's not really a lot they can do with the iPhone to push well, against. Maybe a new design wouldn't hurt, you know? Yeah, maybe. But I mean, I think if they're just looking on year on year trends and stuff, like the idea is like they've just sold too many of them. And yeah. So they can't, they can't keep selling it because they're, gonna, they're just running out of people. Like, for, for example, if you look at Q1 2015, that was a new design and the larger phones, they sold 74 million of them. Q1, they sold 74 million again because they had the pent up demand. I don't think Q1 2017, you're going to see 74 million iPhones sold again. I just don't think that's going to happen because both of those times, the reason that they jumped those 20 million over the Q1 2014, in my opinion, is because there were factors of people that hadn't bought an iPhone before for a certain reason. And I would be very surprised if they can do something in 2017, which is the same, right? They went, they, they gave, finally they gave larger phones to people that wanted larger phones. And then they were able to sell iPhones to people that couldn't buy iPhones before. I don't think they're going to have that in 2017. I just don't see what that could be, but that's why it's not my job. Is it too crazy to think that eventually the iPhone won't be on a one-year cycle. No, I don't. I don't think that'd be the case. I, 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 I would be very surprised because there are. If typically phones are on two-year cycles, then you want it on a one-year cycle so you get people on both years. Am mm. I making sense? Like, mm-hmm. say you sign up for a contract at success. Then you okay. won't be ready until the seven S. Mm. So it makes sense to kind of sell them every year because you you get people every year. I don't, I don't know. know. I just wonder if this kind of constraint of having to come up with a new with a new phone every year uh, it's sort of becoming a problem now that the market is so saturated with so many people having an iPhone and it's so difficult to at this point it's so difficult to come up with something new every year. I mean, what you're gonna do? You cannot do a design yeah. a new design every year. 
No, but people will buy them every year, though, so why not keep selling them every year? Like me and you, we're going to buy a new iPhone every single year, and there are so yeah. many people that do that, so why not do it? I don't know. I guess it's just strange to me that this year, uh, the rumors we've, we've heard about the, the iPhone 7 are so kind of strange uh, because people are talking an iPhone design refresh next year, so for the 7S, but if it's a design changer, you're going to call it the 7S or the iPhone 8. Uh, and people are talking about the iPhone 7 being mostly similar to the 6S, which I think it will, I don't know how it would resonate with people, you know? This, I think this is what people said about the 5, though. That mean? it was going to be similar to the 4. Mm. But it was and still it, different. It was, but it was just, it was bigger, but the overall design was very similar. Like, I just think that that sort of stuff is like, it's, it's, it's secondhand. Like I just I just don't take that until until I see it to be honest. Like mm-hmm. the idea of oh it's going to look the same, because there are some people that just think all these phones look the same anyway. So, right. So I just want to go back to looking at all of these numbers, uh, looking at them all in one. Right, looking at iPhone, Mac, iPad being down. I just think there's no real spin you can put on this. Like it just doesn't look good. Like I don't know what you say. Right. Like again, we'll go back to like. They sold tons of all of these products. They made millions and millions and millions, billions of dollars, right? Which is fantastic. As I say, but you look at those trends going down, you know, the fact that like you and Jason have had to adapt your charts because you didn't have down <laughs> trend charts. No. Right? Like it just doesn't just it just does it just feels weird, right? Like I just don't see I just don't see that anybody inside of Apple is is really going, yeah, but we made so much. They don't like that this is happening, surely. They don't want to see this. You never want to see a downtrend in any kind of work, I think. Uh, but it, I, uh, I mean, of course, it's, you know, the sky is not falling. Um, it's not a big problem for Apple right now. It's more of a perception problem, maybe, to, to have people think that Apple is in trouble. Even if they're not really in trouble, yeah. But to to have the kind of message, you know, it sort of, uh, it sort of becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. Maybe that that's my my fear that people are gonna start thinking Apple is in trouble. Maybe I shouldn't buy a phone, and people are gonna buy different phones. People are gonna buy different tablets. I know it's a sort of a apocalyptic scenario, maybe, but that's the the biggest problem that I see is the perception of trouble, not necessarily the trouble, which is yeah, there because of the headlines, right? Yeah. Because the headlines are not reporting things incorrectly. They're just sensationalizing parts of it. Because right, this is different. Usually when people, people, every earnings report will pick out something to try and be like, Apple is doomed and it's always just rubbish. But this time, there is stuff that you can pin on. Not to say that they're doomed, but to say that, you know, you can, you can if you want to, it's not as difficult to write an Apple is in trouble story this time. When they're clearly not, but you can write it because you have a chart that proves it. You have the numbers. Yeah. You have the numbers. And again, right, Apple is predicting between 41 and 43 billion for the next quarter, which will be a decrease from the 50 billion sales in Q3 2015. Mm-hmm. They're not doomed, but this is a change. It's it's change, and I, and I guess Wall Street doesn't like change for Apple in this sense. Why would they, though, you know? I mean, look, I know that Apple is is judged on a different scale to other companies, and the reason is because they have been like a rocket ship for the last 13 years. So, like, the reason Wall Street looks at them in the way that they do is because Apple does things that you could never imagine from a financial perspective. So when that stops happening, they have to be judged differently. Yeah, maybe even rocket ships eventually have to stop to refill, 
Yeah, let, look, let's be let's be honest here, right? Let's let's look at this. Apple's meteoric rise has helped everyone that cares about it, right? So yeah. everybody at Apple has made lots of money because the stock went up so crazily, and people like me and you have built businesses on the back of the fact that Apple has been such an incredibly successful company. Yes. So now that it's changing, we kind of just have to accept that, like, and just accept the fact that now Wall Street is unhappy. Like, because it's been so incredibly good for such a long time. Mm. And I know, I I think that as I'm saying all this stuff, I sound like I'm trying to spell doom and gloom, which I'm really not attempting to do. I'm just trying to get my head around the fact that the company that that I follow so closely and have been for such a long time is now in a different world to what I've seen it at before. The side effect of that is that if this trend continues... Apple has a chance to be seen again as the underdog. And people love underdogs. People love companies who are in trouble. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to be in trouble, but... The perception of trouble is just as strong, maybe. Part of Apple's problem in this is its history. Everybody knows they were the company that nearly went bankrupt. You know? So mm-hmm. that when that's why the Apple is doomed stories exist, because it existed once before. Like, Nintendo just posted a loss. Nobody's saying Nintendo is doomed. People are saying Nintendo's in trouble, but no one's saying that they're going to go out of business. And Nintendo's in way worse shape than, than Apple. Because Apple is one of the most profitable companies in the entire world. But mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's easy to poke at Apple and point at Apple and say that they're going to go out of business because it happened once before. But there are things that are up. Uh, services and other products are up. The Apple Watch, it falls in other products. Tim Cook mm-hmm. said that it met expectations for the quarter and also said, this is very interesting that he said this, uh, that, that they believe that the Apple Watch will be a seasonal product like the iPod was with a lot of holiday sales. Yeah, it makes sense. How is that going to factor in for the way they market and, and, and push the product? Who knows? But what we do know is if you were fed up of paying for things in September, well, sorry. <laughs> Here's another thing to pay for every September. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be paying a lot of money in September. <laughs> so I think one of the things that we're going to see is that the iPhone and the Apple Watch will always be unveiled together. And yeah. I think what that's going to do is as, tr- as Apple is struggling to find new things for the iPhone to do, they will be able to say new things that those products together together do as as marketing oh yeah that that's a good idea especially when when uh, when the apple watch will gain independence from the iphone they will they will be able to focus i guess instead of uh technologies to make the watch work as an accessory uh when the watch is independent from the phone they can just work together mm-hmm. you know they can do stuff together they can be faster communicate faster do things together with sensors and stuff um so I, I, I think we're, we're going to see... I mean, the, the Apple Watch makes sense as a holiday gift. You know, uh, I've heard from a lot of people buying uh, Apple Watch uh, sport models for their families, you know, their, their, their significant others. So it makes sense to me to have it be a seasonal kind of product. What What's interesting to me is the App Store revenue being up 35%. And the way that he said... Apple Music, which is our first subscription service, uh, crossed 13 million paying customers. So why do you think he said first? Because they will do more of them. One of the ways that you make more money is sell into the previous, like sell into your existing customer base, right? They have 
millions, tens of millions of iPhone customers sell them subscriptions. There's going to be other stuff, whether it's going to be TV or apps. They'll do other subscription services. Because, look, Apple Music, 13 million, that's pretty good. Like, because lots of people don't like it. And it's in a market that <laughs> Apple were really late to. And quite frankly, in a lot of ways, they have a worse product. But they're able to sell 13 million subscriptions because it's on the phone. Mm-hmm. Now, Apple, if they continue to go down this road, might bump up against the European Union. And and this is something that they're going to need to consider because the European Union gets very upset about things like this. Mm-hmm. Um but I think I, I think that as time goes on, Apple will continue. I mean, they're talk, there's so much TV stuff that they're talking about, right? Like, I, I think that these shows are not going to appear in Apple Music. It will be an Apple TV thing, but you'll be able to also watch it on iOS devices. Like, I believe that the subscription service that they bring out for the Apple TV will not just be on the Apple TV. It will be an Apple TV, like they'll call it something else. I don't know, like Apple... I was going to call Apple Watch. No, you can't do that. That name's taken. But, you know, like it will be like a video service. It'd probably be Apple Video, right? Because they have Apple video. Music, Apple Video. And you'll be able to watch their own unique programming and, and blah, 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 stuff from uh, Disney, you know? Yeah. The way they've done it before. They'll have some movie stuff. I think that's where they're going to go with this, and it'll be another streaming service for them. Because, look, frankly, they need to push up the revenue, and one way they can do that is to sell things to their existing customer base. Their existing customers are not buying iPads, so you may as well sell them things that don't cost as much to produce. Digital things, content yeah, or maybe they could sell like a <laughs> like a fitness program subscription people to get in better shape. Do it all, <laughs> like, right? Like Weight Watchers, Look, <laughs> but done by Apple. <laughs> Apple are looking at Amazon, right? Amazon mm. do all of these things. I think that's what they're looking at. They're like Amazon has found a way to tie a subscription service to everything. Now. Admittedly, Amazon's is one subscription service, which I don't think Apple will do. I think that there would be a few different subscription services for different things. But I think that's the route that they will probably end up taking. I think so, because you want to you want to make money on uh on on existing customers, mm-hmm. you know? You want to make more money out of people who are already your customers and what's yep. the best way to, to you know? If they're not buying iPhones every year from you like you want them to, have them give you a little bit of money every month, which is also the iPhone upgrade program. That's what that's all about, too. You know, we were talking about that earlier. What I wanted to ask you, Mike, to kind of close this sort of segment, is looking at the future. So we've talked about the iPad. Uh, we don't know what Apple can... Or there's a bunch of things Apple can do. Uh, but we'll, I guess we'll talk about it later uh, when we do our iOS 10 episode. Do you think, so in addition to video subscription services, more stuff on the App Store, do you think Apple is going to place their bets on VR eventually? Could it be a nice, maybe money generator, of course, but a nice complement to the iPhone as a product, to have the iPhone become the VR machine? I don't know. I don't know. I'm struggling with uh, understanding mobile VR and how it's going to work because the Gear VR works because it's an extra thing you put the phone into. Like, I can't imagine how a device could, could have VR without you needing to put it into something 
or connect it to something, you know? Um, I I think that Apple are going to be late to VR uh, unless they surprise us in the next year. Um, I, I, don't, I don't see what they're going to do there, but they should do something. I also don't think that as it stands right now, VR is enough of a thing to make a big dent. I, th- I think an, an Apple VR product would make about as much of a dent as an Apple Watch product. You think so? Yeah. Hmm. I really think if they if they eventually do VR, it'll be an iPhone thing. Uh, it'll be an, some kind of iPhone accessory or based on the iPhone. Just because uh, we've talked about this on our video game show remaster, but I, I do believe that eventually all VR is going to be mobile. It's going to be the same screen that you carry around all the time. Just because it's the right size of a screen to put in front of your, of your eyes, and VR is going to be to be based on that. But that's years down the road, you know. Especially with Apple, they like to wait for. For, for you know new technologies to take off but i do see vr potentially you know two three years from now as a new kind of uh, kind of addition to the iphone i don't even know if three years from now it'll be called the iphone uh but i guess so so that could be that could be an idea but in general uh i feel like like i t- i look at these numbers right and it's it, it's objective. A downtrend is happening. It's gonna happen again, and it's not good news. And there's no way to spin this positively. Even you could say, well, uh, we've, we're doing bad now because we've done so much better before, and it was an anomaly. But again, negative numbers are negative numbers. There's nothing to argue about those. But I do wonder, as I told you, uh, is this Apple to blame? Yes, partly. Uh, I think Apple is to blame here, especially with the iPad uh, and especially with the Apple Watch. I don't know what kind of impact it's having on, on, on you know, what meeting expectations means. Uh, but from my perception, it doesn't doesn't seem to be the kind of crazy success that the first iPhone was. Uh, but I do wonder what can Apple do to make things better? And the things that I, that I believe Apple can do uh, will take time, will take a long time uh, to kind of steer the ship, uh, especially with the, with the, with the iPad. So I think we're we're in a, for for a long period of changes, Mike. And it's going to be, I'll tell you what, it's going to be fun <laughs> to observe. I it's not fun because you know there's people going crazy with these negative numbers and and, and it puts a lot of pressure on the financial departments of Apple. I but find it, it interesting. It's interesting. It's fascinating to observe. And and I think the next the, the next couple of years really are going to be interesting. You know, with the with the uh, iPhone upgrade program expanding to more countries, uh, with the with this iPhone seven and iPhone eight refresh, with the new versions of Apple Watch, with the iPad sort of finding a new soul again. It's gonna be it's really fascinating to observe, if only from a blogger and podcaster perspective. If you want to catch our show notes for this week, head on over to relay.fm slash connected slash 88. Thanks to the lovely people over at Smile with PDF Pen Pro for supporting this week's show. If you want to find Federico online, head on over to macstories.net and also check out uh, our podcast Remaster that we do, which is all about uh, video games at relay.fm slash remaster. And also Federico hosts a show um, on Relay FM about uh, iOS productivity with Fraser Spears, and you can find that at relay.fm slash canvas. Um, you can find me online. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. Federico is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. Um, I host a bunch of other shows at Relay FM. You can find them at relay.fm 
because there's lots of them. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Stephen is at ISMH. He'll hopefully be back next week with another uh, iMac in hand, uh, fresh from the plains of San Francisco, I guess, is where you'd find them. Uh, we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Federico. Arrivederci.